Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The Afghan military gave up to see their commander-in-chief question the courage of men I fought with. Those who have never fought for the colors they fly should be careful about criticizing those who have. There's a way to have gotten out without chaos. I don't know how that happens. To successfully evacuate all American citizens. Boost your shots. Increase your protection from COVID-19. Vaccines are the key to stopping it. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is a political trivia Thursday. We'll play in a little bit. Uh, Unusual presidential pastimes is your category. Got a great prize package. The uh, headline for uh, this afternoon is about a potential bomb threat that has now been resolved outside the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. The bomb suspect left a black pickup truck where he had been uh, live streaming threats to detonate a bomb, surrendered to police at about 2.30 after about five hours the or- uh, from the when the ordeal began. Police say a, um, they initially communicated with the man Via whiteboards, they tried to talk him on the with the phone on the phone. Um, brought to his truck by a robot, the man refused and surrendered. A short time later, police identified the man as Floyd Ray Roseberry of Grover, North Carolina. Grover is over there, just off of I eighty five, south of Gastonia, southwest of Gastonia, just below Kings Mountain, almost as you get to the South Carolina line. So pretty much on the other side of the state. Uh, Capitol Police said at a news briefing around 9.15, a man in a black pickup truck drove onto the sidewalk near the Library of Congress, told officers he had a bomb and appeared to have a detonator in his hand, according to police. We don't know a whole lot, Chief Thomas Manger said. We don't have much information at all. That's what he said earlier this morning. Um, Taking a look at his comments, um, Police negotiators were communicating with him as he wrote notes and showed them and uh, showed them to authorities from inside the truck, according to the Associated Press, which spoke to three people who are not authorized to publicly discuss the matter and spoke on condition of anonymity. My negotiators are hard at work trying to have a peaceful solution to the incident. Manger said we're trying to get as much information as we can to resolve this. Um, apparently it was resolved and the man gave himself up at about two thirty. Apparently, he is not happy with, my impression is, reading between the lines, he is not happy with Joe Biden or with uh, most Democrats. I don't know that he's a uh, right-winger, but um, doesn't, I mean, there's probably a lot of people out there that are happy right now with Democrats and Joe Biden. So, I mean, he could have any kind of background. Carolina Journal is reporting an Angier man uh, faces three and a half years in federal prison and restitution of nearly $2 million for his role in Medicaid fraud. Ruben Samuel Matos learned a sentence earlier today, according to a release from the U.S. Attorney's Office in North Carolina's Eastern District. Matos pleaded guilty in September of 2020 to a charge of conspiracy to commit health care fraud. His sentence includes an order to pay $1,997,883 to the North Carolina Fund for Medicaid expense, uh, medic- medical assistance. Between 2014 and 2017, Matos conspired with multiple individuals and businesses to defraud North Carolina by submitting $3.6 million in false and fraudulent claims 
for reimbursement of behavioral health services. Folks, that's where it always comes down. Behavioral health services, mental health services. Why? I think it's because it's so easy to fake. I mean, first of all, you don't have to be a doctor to run a behavioral health service clinic. A lot of these, I used to have, I'm going back probably 10, 12, 15 years ago, the office that I had then towards the end, and one of the reasons I left that office was because there was a behavioral health clinic that rented below us, and um, basically they were babysitting people that had severe special needs, and uh, it was hard to get work done with the noise that was coming from this facility right below ours. They just went in, rented, called themselves a behavioral health service clinic, and uh, the government pays the bill. Uh, And I'm not saying they're all that way, but what I am saying is Medicaid fraud often, often comes through these behavioral health service clinics. And again, this one to to the tune of, well, he's got to repay $2 million. He apparently submitted fraudulent claims of 3.6. This guy worked with another guy in Raleigh, a guy named Reginald Reese, who was convicted of conspiracy in a related case. This was their scheme. They would go throughout low-income neighborhoods. Somehow, they would collect personal information including Medicaid identification numbers. And I I don't know how they did it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, a bribe, go in and say, hey, I'll pay you X number of dollars if you give me your information for Medicaid. They got the information, they go back to the office, and they submit a claim to Medicaid for behavioral health services. And I've got news for you. This is just the tip of the iceberg I guarantee you this, and I'm not just talking about in North Carolina. I'm not talking about Eastern. I'm talking about across the United States. How many billions of dollars, not millions, but billions of dollars is going out the window through these fraudulent claims? And again, often it is through, quote, behavioral health services. And by the way, you can probably thank Jimmy Carter for that. Jimmy Carter, he was the one that came in and basically emptied out all these state mental hospitals. Said, no, no, we just need these people need to be free. And uh, they emptied out the hospitals. Carolina Journal's reporting Governor Roy Cooper wants a provision to curb government's uh, governor's powers removed from the budget plans. We talked to Jim Perry just yesterday about the new budget which sounds like it's going to pass, whether or not it will pass with a veto-proof majority. We need to hope and pray that it does. Because a part of the budget calls for the removal of Governor Cooper's emergency power measures. Now, he is still using the emergency power measures. In fact, uh, he says today in this press conference, he said, we're in the middle of a public health crisis and we do not need to alter the Emergency Management Act at this time. Um, This is the very reason why we do need to limit the governor's dictatorial powers. 
because he has taken them and abused them. Governor, if you had actually used these emergency measures in a prudent and reasonable way, there would not be a call right now to remove these powers. But you abuse them. You greatly abuse them. And uh, that is why I think it is very reasonable to take these powers away from you. Now, you would still have powers, but you would also have to go to the Council of State, and they would have to approve the use of certain powers after, after a certain period of time. And uh, after the next period of time, you'd have to get legislative approval for what you wanted to do. Uh, the governor said, my priorities are already out there and have been out there for a while. Yeah, it's very obvious what your priorities are. And they're not the priorities for the average North Carolinian. Your priorities are the priorities of the Andrew Cuomo's and the Bill de Blasio's of the world, the Nancy Pelosi's and the Chucky Schumer's of the world. And, of course, he also, <laughs> and he's not going to get this, he wants Medicaid expansion. Where have you heard that before? The budget bill, Senate Bill 105, places checks on the governor's powers, including the inclusion of firmer language requiring approval of the Council of State, a group of 10 statewide elected officers, including the lieutenant governor, governor auditor, and attorney general, to name a few. Uh, Carolina Journal has reported the House and the Senate advanced legislation to that effect, but neither effort made it to Cooper's desk. Thus, it has been introduced via the budget. Cooper on Wednesday said he would veto the final budget if I have to, but it's still too early in the process to make that call. All options are on the table. So he's going to be between Iraq and a hard place. As Jim Perry said yesterday, he is very doubtful that the governor would veto this budget. And by the way, even though there, when the budget was being discussed earlier in this week, there was some union members that went in and protested and said, hey, they've got a billion dollars in the bank here, and uh, why aren't we getting it? And uh, they ended up having to be escorted out of the uh, gallery because they were making so much noise and interrupting the proceedings. So the sergeant of arms did remove them. But uh, bottom line is there are a number of nice raises for state workers and teachers. In total, the state budget proposal would spend $10.4 billion in the 2021-2022 and $10.5 billion in the following year. K-12 public education, that amount includes 3% raises for teachers over two years, an additional one-time bonus of $300, and between $1,000 and $1,500 added bonus from federal funds, which means some teachers will see a one-time bonus of $1,800, along with a 3% raise. Additionally, non-certified school employees would see their wages rise to a minimum, a minimum of $13 an hour. Um, there are raises in there for other state workers as well. And uh, I, I think Governor Cooper, and there are all kinds of monies in there for all kinds of infrastructure and capital improvements. So it's going to be very—this was a very, I think, wise, clever move by the Republicans to place this curbing of the governor's power in the budget because Cooper's going to be hard—it's going to be hard for him to veto this budget. Now, he might. Jim Perry didn't think seem to think he would, but listen, he might. We're going to take a time out. Lots to talk about. We'll get to what's going over in uh, going on over in Afghanistan. We've got uh, political trivia coming up as well. So stay with us. News and views for a Thursday continues right after this. 
news and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. Welcome back in. It was uh, interesting. Almost 100 years ago, 87 years ago to be exact, on this day in 1934, 90% of German voters elected Adolf Hitler to the presidency for Germany. You know, we wonder how we've got Joe Biden in the White House. Uh, I don't know if this thing, you know, these kind of things go in cycles, but uh, wow. Now, people, you're, you're comparing Joe Biden to... Adolf Hitler? No, I'm comparing idiotic voters that will vote for any shiny new object without thinking things through. Today is August 19th, National Potato Day. I did my part. I took my grandsons out for lunch today. We both had French fries, all three of us. Take a look at your weather forecast. A slight chance of showers and thunderstorms tonight with a low around 75. Tomorrow, showers and thunderstorms late in the afternoon. A 70% chance of late afternoon thunderstorms. Otherwise, partly sunny with a high near 89. Tomorrow night, a chance of thunderstorms, mostly before 8 o'clock. Low around 73. Saturday, more of the same, but the chance of rain in the afternoon drops about 50%. And Saturday night, a low, partly cloudy, low around 72. All in all, it's going to be more of the same. Temperatures a little cooler. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining and outdoor pool, tennis, and more. Our newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. For a limited time, join Ironwood and pay zero initiation fees. Give them a call for more information, 252-752-4653. Find out what makes Ironwood the best of Greenville, 252-752-4653. Be a part of the best Ironwood Golf and Country Club, and we are coming up to the prettiest golf season of the year. Fall is gorgeous. It is gorgeous at Ironwood. And uh, if you haven't gotten into the game of golf, give them a call. Get John LaMonica to give you a couple of lessons. He is one of the best instructors I know of, John LaMonica. Give him a call, 752-4653. Go out and enjoy. So the Pentagon was pressed earlier today to explain why the United States isn't rescuing Americans outside of Cabal Airport, as the British are doing for their citizens. At a press briefing, Fox News' Jennifer Griffin said, General Taylor, British paratroopers are leaving the airport going into Cabal to rescue and evacuate some of their own citizens who are trapped and can't get to the airport because of the Taliban. Why isn't the United States doing that? General Taylor, who serves as deputy director of the Joint Joint Staff Regional Operations, said that the United States was focused on securing the Karzai International Airport. At this time, our main mission continues to be securing the airport to allow American citizens and other SIVs to come in and be processed at the airfield. They can't get to the airfield, Colonel, General, Pentagon uh, Press Secretary John Kirby. He's pretty useless. Was asked during the same press conference whether he knows how many Americans remain stuck in Afghanistan. He replied, I don't know. That's very helpful. I don't know. I could have that job. (laughs) 
Clark Willis, our producer, he could have that job. We could answer that just as well. I don't know. Earlier this week, another one. That's true. Another one thousand paratroopers were sent to help evacuate U.S. personnel and Afghans who provide assistance during the war. I don't know. You know, that's what you're paid to know. These people have their heads up their butts. There was a uh, one California Democrat who um, basically said that it doesn't make any sense to rescue Americans who can't get to the Cabal airport. Uh, This is just unbelievable. This is a representative Democrat, Representative John Garamendi. Here's what he said on CNN when asked about going out and rescuing American citizens as the British and other NATO nations are doing right now for their people, but the United States is not doing for our people. We're going to send American troops into the heart and into the suburbs and into the streets of Kabul to extract people. Uh, It makes no sense whatsoever. We do control the airport. We're going to do the very best we can, and the people in Kabul and in other parts of this country are going to have to do the best they can to get there. There is no way that the American military should use military force to go to someone's house or some building somewhere to extract people. That will create a very significant problem and a very significant loss of life on both sides. We do control the airport. We should continue to do that as long as it takes to extract as many people as possible. But to provide safe passage from parts of a huge city, um, no way. Not sensible. Now, I'd like to have somebody ask this uh, representative, would you use military people to go in and uh, knock on the doors of American citizens to find out whether they've been vaccinated or not? Would you use the military for that? Remember when uh, it was the Clinton administration? Who was the attorney general? The Amazon woman. She was about seven foot tall. She sent in a military force to uh, grab that young man, uh, that young young boy, and send him back to Cuba when he didn't want to go. He wanted to stay with one parent. They said, no, you're, we're sending you back to Cuba. Janet Reno, yes, thank you, Clark. Um, she was a beaut, wasn't she? Um, you know, this shouldn't be any surprise, though, that a Democrat would have no regard for life. I mean, stop and think about it. They have gleefully been promoting the death of babies for their own convenience for the f- past 50 years. Why should this be any different? You know, I mean, it is this glib attitude when it comes to life. We, we don't care. It's an inconvenient for me, so I mean, I don't care. I don't know who these people are, so I don't care. Um, and by the way, this is why our enemies are laughing at us. While this horse's rear end says this, why, why should we send our military out to save our own people? You've got 10,000 people in the city. I, I mean, here's the thing. You don't have to go to door to door. I mean, if we send a few thousand uh, military out there and uh, th- they they know the Taliban will know what could come. Now, unfortunately, 
<laughs> bottom line, okay, I'm pro-Trump. I'm anti-Biden. But the bottom line is this. If Trump was in the White House, well, A, this wouldn't have happened. But B, if it would have happened, and, and Trump would say, you let those people go, you let them in, or you're going to get a missile up your errant, they would know that it would happen. Right now, they're quite confident that Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe, won't do a thing to help the American people. And this guy who's pro-Joe Biden admits it. Why should we do anything? So while this rear end is, is saying this, right now, as we speak, there are women in Afghanistan who are protesting the Taliban in the streets and they're getting shot and killed. And yet they continue to come out and protest. You know, folks, I pray the brave women like this hold fast. This is hard to say, but I believe this. If their will to be free is stronger than their will to live, the Taliban will fall. And I pray that that happens. You know, I, I, I mentioned this in passing briefly yesterday, but um, you have got to note that Obama and Biden both, um, yeah, yeah, both of them, both Obama and Biden, they're either dithering fools who have jeopardized American national security or they're traitors and they need to be tried for treason. And uh, I, I won't share which of the two I think they are. I, I think Joe's a little bit of both. I mean, we know he's a dithering fool. <laughs> That's not even up for debate. Um, but is, is he a traitor? Now, I don't think Obama's necessarily a dithering fool. The intelligence community, the Pentagon and the White House are all blaming each other right now. They're all playing the typical D.C. shuffle, sidestep. 10,000 Americans are trapped in Afghanistan while they do this. It's just like, I mean, it's, it's, they're not worried about the 10,000 Americans. They are worried about who's going to get blamed. Not my fault, it's his fault. No, it's not my fault, it's his fault. No, it's her fault. It's Joe's fault. How about just going, how about just saying it's all of our faults and going over there and helping these Americans to get out of there? So Biden botched the exit, but Obama played a significant part. And this is what I said in passing yesterday. Remember the five Taliban commanders that were released in exchange for Bogue Bergdahl. Uh, one of the key players of the five is the man who was photographed in the presidential palace in Cabal. This guy was deemed too dangerous to be released, but yet Obama released him. So when Obama released the five Taliban commanders from Gitmo in exchange for an American deserter, this is back in 2014, he assured the public that the dangerous enemy combatants would be— remember this? We're going to transfer them to Qatar— and uh, they won't have any trouble. There's no, no trouble because they won't have anything to do with Afghanistan. We'll just, we'll just stick them over there and we'll put an anchor bracelet on them and they'll be good boys. 
And the government of Qatar will they'll they'll make sure they that, that they're good boys. They won't do anything wrong. Well, in fact, they were left to uh, mastermind the sacking of Cabal. After gaining their freedom, some of the notorious Taliban five pledged to return to fight Americans, and uh, obviously they have. But the Obama and Biden administration, and this was back when Obama was still president, that they vowed to fight another day. Obama and Biden, uh, they turned a blind eye to the intelligence reports. Earlier this year, one of them, Ka'aruli Kaha, actually sat across the table from Biden's envoy, envoy to Afghanistan, where uh, Kaka, I'm sure I'm hacking up his name, was part of the official Taliban delegation that negotiated the final terms of the U.S. With, withdrawal. Um, th- think about this, that the mastermind for the downfall of, of Cabal in Afghanistan, we had in prison Obama, and again, g- going back to his administration, And I said this the eight years Obama was in office. Every time Obama made a decision, it was a pro-jihadist decision, a pro-Muslim decision, and an anti-American decision. We, in his eyes, we were always the bad guys, and they were always the good guys. So, folks, this is why. We have capital punishment. I mean, this guy was a murderer. We had him down in Gitmo, and all, oh, you can't kill him. You can't, can't, you can't execute him. That wouldn't be nice. So he's killed hundreds, if not thousands, and now he will kill hundreds, if not thousands, because bleeding-heart liberalism said it wouldn't be compassionate to take this killer's life. And now more will die. You know, I watched Joe Biden and his interview with uh, Georgie Steffi Stephanopoulos. And this guy's got blood on his hands. This guy's got blood on his hands. I I mean, for him to to come out and say, you know, know, we we knew there was going to be a catastrophe and we knew this was going to be pretty. But, you know, what do you expect? How can you expect anything else? Yeah, with you in charge, how can you expect anything else? How can you not expect it to be a train wreck with you in in charge? By the way, as well, we need to take a break here. We need to play a little political trivia here in a minute. Did you know that... Mike Pompeo, who headed up the State Department for Donald Trump, had ordered the creation, and it was created, a uh, special response team. It was called the Contingency and Crisis Response Office, and their only job would be to avoid a future Benghazi-style situation for Americans overseas. In other words, it was created for such a time as this. Now, Biden goes on there and talks to Georgie and says, we plan for every contingency. While he says that, the reality is the Obama State Department had already 
revoked the funding and the approval for this response office, this response team. He shut it down. He shut it down. Uh, he, he says we plan for every contingency. No. The contingency plan was already in place and you shut it down. It's unbelievable. I know, it's heavy. Pray for those people. Pray for our American citizens. Uh, and by the way, there's, again, I've, I've said this every day, there's stories coming out of Afghanistan where they're kidnapping and executing Christians for being Christians. I mean, this is, boy, you talk about spiritual warfare. This is spiritual warfare. By the way, tomorrow we're going to have an interview with an uh, Army chaplain who has spent years over in Afghanistan. And uh, we'll be talking to him tomorrow about uh, his thoughts on what's going on over there. Let's, as, as heavy as this is, let's, let's lighten things up, shall we? Let's play a little political trivia. 561-8255. 561-8255. Hopefully this will uh, <laughs> be a little bit of a... Uh, opportunity to get our minds off of uh i mean i don't want you to stop i don't want you to stop thinking and praying but uh let's do something fun category unusual presidential pastimes it's a fun question give us a call 561-8255 got a great prize package we'll be right back lighten things up shall we political trivia your category unusual presidential pastimes prize package includes a gift card to university pc care a 20 dollars gift card to gwendy's goodies bakery and aiden delicious baked fresh made from scratch goodies 20 dollars gift card to mucho bueno for lunch or dinner mucho bueno real mexican street food a gift card for a free round of golf with cart at ironwood a 20 dollars gift card to the pirates cove car wash proud partner of the ecu courtesy car program a um, gift certificate from Fit for Life, including two free training sessions with a coach. And a free oil change for your car pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. First up, from New Bern, we have Carlton on the line. Hey, Carlton. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. You ready to play? Yes, sir. All right, here's your question. Seven of our U.S. presidents all enjoyed a rather unusual pastime. The presidents are Joe Biden, Lyndon Johnson, John Kennedy, Franklin Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, Andrew Jackson, and John Quincy Adams. What was this unusual pastime that these seven presidents like to do on a regular basis? What do you think? Man, I have no idea. Take I have no guess. idea, but don't. Take Eating look. ice cream. Eating ice cream. That's a good guess. I don't think it was just limited to seven of those, though. Good guess, Carlton. That's about it. Thanks. Give us a call back. 561-8255. Uh, let's go to Al in Greenville. Hey, Al. Hey, hey. How you doing? I'm doing well. Did you hear the question? I did. I did. What do you think? What was the uh, what was the unusual pastime these seven presidents all participated in? Um, uh, Same again one more time. They were Joe Biden, Lyndon Johnson, John Kennedy,
Franklin Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, Andrew Jackson, John Quincy Adams. Um, I know it's not it. Play golf. That's not it. No, I don't think golf was around when John Quincy Adams was uh, president. But, uh, hey, good guess. I mean, that was true for some of them. 561-8255. Let's go to another caller from Greenville. Tom. Hey, Tom. Um, is this Tom? Yeah, yes, it is. Hey, yeah. Tom. Uh, what do you think? Hello. I either. Well. It's, uh, it's not multiple choice. Cro- so. <laughs> I got you. Uh, crossword puzzles. Crossword puzzles. That's not it. That's not it. Good guess, though. 561-8255. Uh, let's go down to Emerald Isle. We've got Bruce on the line. Hey, Bruce. Hello. All right. Is it time for a, a hint? Yes. Okay. All right. Let me give you the question again in case we got some new listeners. Seven of our U.S. presidents all enjoyed a rather unusual pastime. The presidents are Joe Biden, Lyndon Johnson, John Kennedy, Franklin Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, Andrew Jackson, and John Quincy Adams. What was this unusual pastime these seven presidents like to do on a regular basis? Franklin Roosevelt enjoyed this so much, he made special accommodations so he could do it without leaving the White House property. What do you think? Well, it's a toughie, but I'll guess um, bowling. Bowling! That is not it. Good guess. I think it was Richard Nixon that actually installed the bowling alley. But uh, good guess. 561-8255. Who we have, Clark? Let's go to uh, Ward. Hey, Ward. Hello, Tom. Where are you calling from? Great city of Wilson. All right, Wilson. Welcome in. So what do you think? What what did these all these seven presidents all like to do on a regular basis? Unusual. Skinny dipping. That's it! That is it! They were all well-known skinny dippers. Well, I knew I knew Slick Willie liked to skinny dip with other women, too. Uh, well, I didn't have Slick Willie on the uh, on the list, but uh, that was true. You should of, have. That, well, you should that was have. true of John Kennedy. Well, I don't know if <laughs> Slick Willie is well, well known for it, but John Kennedy was. And, uh, of course, we, you had John Quincy Adams and uh, Teddy Roosevelt like to do it naked in the Potomac. <laughs> Congratulations, Ward. Hang on the line. Clark's going to get your information, and uh, I'll be right back. Thanks, Tom. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Congratulations to Ward Bronco of Wilson, North Carolina. He got our trivia question right. Joe Biden, Lyndon Johnson, John Kennedy, Franklin Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, Andrew Jackson, John Quincy Adams, all like to skinny dip. Oh, my. Yeah, wow, wow. And uh, it is said that uh, John Kennedy... Nearly got in trouble more than once because he liked to uh, skinny dip with the uh, interns. I'm sorry. I know. It's, yeah. I just had my hair washed. <laughs> no, no, nobody wants to skinny dip with you, Nancy. <laughs> Believe me. You, you just, you, your hair's fine, Nancy. Nobody's I gonna... will do anything. <laughs> we, no, no. I, that's, that's, uh, I don't, that's a bad that's a bad mind picture. I don't, I don't get that out of my mind. Um, interesting uh, story by Guy Benson out of Town Hall. You know, school starts on Monday for a lot of public schools. I know my uh, grandkids start on Monday. 
And I think a lot of Eastern North Carolina schools will start on Monday. I know Pitt County does. And as it looks right now, they'll all be wearing masks. Interestingly, Europe's CDC says they do not recommend masks for kids under 12. Another interesting little piece of uh, information. There was a survey done between August of 20, of 2020 to April 11th of 2021. And the, the numbers were almost identical. But for where schools were in, in person, with 30% in-person um, attendance, a minimum of 30%, they compared schools with no masks to school with masks. The number of COVID cases, and this is the number of cases per 100,000 people, for no, no masks, for the students, it was 208 cases per 100,000. With masks, it, it was 218. For staff, it was 315 for no masks per 100,000. That's staff. With masks, it was 324 per 100,000. And... Um, uh, well, bottom line is it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference. I don't think Congressman Murphy would, I think he said this on the air the other day when he was with us. Masks don't make any difference. And there are some people that say it makes it worse. But over in uh, England, well, the United, um, the European Union, the European Union CDC came out and said in primary schools, the use of face masks is recommended for teachers and other adults when physical distancing can't be guaranteed, but it is not recommended for students. Governor DeSantis has said explicitly that kids, if they want to wear masks, they can wear masks. But his administration has decided not to um, enforce it. And uh, now they said if a district wants to require masks, that's fine as long as parents have opt-out opportunities available for them. So if you're a district in Florida and you say, no, we're going to mandate that you wear a mask, uh, okay, that can be your mandate, but parents and students have an opt-out. And all these people say they want to follow the science. Well, the science is saying it doesn't make any difference. And the folks over in Europe are saying, doesn't make any sense. By the way, did you hear Ron DeSantis? The, the, the anti-DeSantis people, it's, it's the, it doesn't, you know, people say, well, Donald Trump, you know, he deserved it because he tweeted. You know, that's why they were against him. No, they were against him because he was a conservative. And he was a capitalist. And he was a free enterprise, low-tax you know, low regulation kind of guy, let the people rule themselves kind of guy. And the Democrats hate that because they want to rule with an iron fist. And they're going to come after Ron DeSantis just like they came out after Donald Trump. 
And DeSantis, as far as I know, he doesn't even tweet at all. If he does, it's very benign. But the Associated Press came out with a story yesterday trying to brand DeSantis because he is um, promoting um, Regeneron. And Regeneron has proven to, uh, if if you come down with COVID, you've got COVID, you come down, and if you can get to it in the first 10 days that you have Regeneron, it's a mono um, clonal antibiotic. It is proven to ex- very helpful. 70% reduction in hospitalizations, 70% reduction in death, 70% reduction in severe symptoms. Regeneron. So DeSantis comes out and says, you know what, we're going to give out Regeneron if, if uh, people come down with it. And the Associated Press tried to make it look like this was a quid pro quo that he was helping out a company that had made a contribution to a PAC that supported DeSantis. Uh, The name of the company was Citadel. Citadel and the CEO, Ken Griffin, had donated to this PAC that donated to Ron DeSantis. They invested in the company that manufactures Regeneron. Well, guess what? BlackRock invests in Regeneron, <laughs> and they, contrib- they contribute to Democrats primarily. Now, they contribute to some Republicans, but they contribute to a lot of Democrats. And by the way, the Citadel, it's just a small fraction of their portfolio is invested in this company that manufactures Regeneron. But no, it doesn't matter. We're going we're gonna to make Ron DeSantis look as bad as we can possibly make him look. Unbelievable. The Hill is reporting. This is the Hill, moderate the Hill. A voting rights overhaul at the federal level, including a ban on voter ID identification laws, is a high priority for Joe Biden and congressional Democrats. However, the Honest Election Project recently found that 81% of respondents, 81% favor voter ID laws, which require photo identification. And this is out of the Hill, 81%. And by the way, this is not just Republicans. This is people from all parties. So, uh, yeah, while the Democrats want to uh, jam through H.R. 1 so that they can federalize elections and uh, they can have their way with the American people, 81% of Americans say, we want voter ID. 81%, all races, all parties. Hey, thanks for being with us today. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.